Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hola, hola, hola. Welcome, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Bean. Third episode, guys. Third episode. If you guys missed out the first or the second, go ahead, go back and check us out, guys. Subscribe to us, follow us. Depends on what app you guys using. And appreciate you guys for being here. And go ahead and don't forget to review, guys. That will mean a lot to us. Haley, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing well, Pedro. How are you today? I'm doing great with the G R E A T capitalized. How about yourself? Everything good on your side? Yeah, doing great. And like you said, Pedro, if you're listening to this podcast, don't forget review episode one and two. But more than more importantly, if you like this podcast and you want to stay up to date on it, subscribe and so you can get notifications. And then separately, we ask you if you're enjoying this podcast, give us a review. As you give us reviews, it helps more people hear about us and so that other people can enjoy what we're putting out there. So, uh, yeah, so basically just, you know, going on with that, I've been, I've been on a mission here trying to trying to put some cold drinks, uh, trying to put some cold drinks because this weather, I can't, I can't support it anymore. Help me. So, uh, so I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to get in some cold drinks, trying to put in some cold brew in there, maybe a couple of uh, sweet chicorados, maybe a caramel. Maybe a vanilla or something like that, but that that's that's been my week. Just trying to get all the ingredients in, trying to you know get all the the the, the herramientas. How you say herramientas? Tools. Tools? Yeah. yeah. My, my English is. Uh, well, no, look at it the other way. We're giving a Spanish lesson today. Exactly. Free free Spanish <laughs> lesson, guys. If I were you, I'll, I'll take advantage. So las herramientas tools so i'm trying to get all the tools i need you know the shaker the uh the, the, the sock you know people call it the sock for the cold brew stuff like that I'm trying to get everything ready i hope uh, in a week or, or, or less trying to trying to get that settled and go ahead and, and start marketing my cold brew and start marketing my my shakerados you know that's what i do and yeah that's that's pretty much my week and, and how how's everything back in texas how, how about you guys well everything here in fresco fresco texas is good now I thought I left Manzanillo. I thought, okay, well, it's hot here, but I don't have to deal with the heat of Manzanillo anymore. But boy, the last week has been brutal. It's been 100 degrees or pretty close to it every single day. The humidity has been high, so it's been hot and humid. So it reminds me of those days back in Manzanillo this time of year that I thought I was getting away from. But outside of that, we're just going forward with our construction of La Finca, we're starting to see finish out. So it's exciting right now for so long. We just had construction and you think about all the things that you don't see that you need the electrical, the plumbing, all those things. Those things are great. They help you do a good job, but yeah, that's not the stuff when you walk in that you get wowed by, but now we're starting to get <laughs> ceramic tile in. We're starting to get the room for the roaster is starting to come together. We're starting to get the light fixtures in. So it's actually starting to look like something. So it's exciting right now. I think in the next week, it's going to really take shape and it's going to really start looking like what it's going to be like when it's all finished so it's exciting right now awesome awesome actually i can't wait to see those pictures guys check us out on facebook and instagram guys will be you know uploading a couple a couple uh pictures of now and then of our project so that'll be that'll be nice to to share that right there lee the, yeah. the before the after and the before that'll be that'll be a nice little thing to share with the with the audience and yeah right. uh, so hey we're talking about obstacles today, and let me go ahead and start off with a quick obstacles. Everybody, everybody's gonna have obstacles. Uh, the size, when, we don't know. 
but we all gonna have obstacles. And I'm gonna give you a quick one. It was it was probably like the first one that ever happened to me on on here on uh, Tiempo de Café, uh, uh, coffee time. So I hear the, the the stand that I have, which is you know something small, but it, at the same time it's something big because uh, what happened was uh, I had an extension cord, and I put like two or three different uh, uh, equipments. And it burned on me. It burned on me. And I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> so, you know, and then I was like, oh, you know, so so that was an obstacle. I, and there's a lot of stuff I could have done. So I just like, you know what? I need to go ahead and get one. But I need to get the the socket. The uh, what, what was the name? Uh, oh, was, was you, you talked about uh, a, a multi-outlet, but that also had search protection on it, right? So it wouldn't burn your, your equipment up or whatever you had plugged in. Yeah, yeah, sir. Protect. I, I really didn't want to to mess my the landlord's, uh, you know, <laughs> the whole the whole electricity. So what I had to go, uh, what I had to do, uh, I took action and I went to a there's a there's a Home Depot here in Mexico, here in Manzanillo. So uh, I went to go get that that equipment, and it was an extra cost. It was an extra uh, investment, but it, man, it's 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 been worth it. I'm telling you, that was like the the, the first, yeah, it was, I think it was the first day, my first obstacle, and I'm sharing with you guys that first obstacle. And uh, but I had to do it, and I hadn't, I haven't had any any issues. And those are obstacles that are gonna come in. I mean, I'm telling you, there's the size, when, uh, I'm pretty sure where because it's gonna be in your business. But the size and and, and when, it's it's not predictable. But we have to, we have to be ready for those. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I want to share with you, uh, with you guys. And I, Lee, tell tell me, I'm pretty sure you, it is uh, this lifetime you've been having, uh, uh, or when you, when you had the other uh, coffee shop, tell me a couple of obstacles, or in your, uh, in, in in the one you're in right now in La Finca. Let me, let me hear some. I want to hear things. Yeah. Well. Obstacles, like you said, they'll come. So the question isn't if they're going to happen. It's a matter of when they happen, what are you going to do about it? Because I'll tell you what, ever since the, you know, well, through life, there's always obstacles come. And I just remember when, you know, we went to, when we moved to Manzanillo, when we were getting ready to move, I remember we put our house for sale. And the minute we put our house for sale to get ready to move to Manzanillo, the housing market crashed in 2008 here in the U.S., it was the worst time to ever try to sell a house. And we just put the house on the market like a month beforehand. And so, you know, that was, you know, just an obstacle just to get us so that we could move to Manzanillo. And then we got to Manzanillo and I just remember, you know, there was obstacles all the time in the business, but I want to share with you today. I know when we decided to come back to Texas, we came back and everything seemed to be going smoothly. And we got back, we said, okay, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get open up in six, seven months. We'll be able to open a place up and get going. Well, sure enough, we get back and we look and look and we can't find uh, a place to lease that we just really felt like it fit what we needed. And so we looked and looked and finally six months into it, when we thought we'd be opening up, we were barely finding a place to lease <laughs> and it was still under construction. So instead of opening it up, we were just signing a lease for a, an opportunity that we thought we were going to be open, be able to open up six months later. So you talking about, you know, a year after we left Manzanillo to be open up when we thought we could open up in six months. So it was a challenge, but we thought, you know what, it's worth it. It's the right place. We talked about last week, you know, we talked about having a vision and about knowing what you're trying to accomplish. And we felt like this is the location that fit our vision. 
So we were willing to wait another six months. Guess what happened, Pedro, after those six months were up that we thought, you know, when we'd be able to open up. What, what happened? Let me know. We were delayed. Construction got delayed. And instead of, so now a year had passed since we left Montanil. Instead of opening up, we were barely at a point to be able to start construction, not even open up, but to start construction. And so here we are. Um, like I said, we signed a lease July of 2019, thought we could open January of this year, 2020. And here we are. What month are we in right now, Pedro? We're in the best month of the year, July. <laughs> <laughs> and so by that comment, you know that Pedro must, I think he was born in July. And so, <laughs> but I, I would have other people in my family would agree. If my wife, Patricia, she was born in July. My two sons were born in July. And so it just seems like maybe it is the best month. So Pedro, you might just be right. <laughs> I am 99.9%. All right. And then so, so here we are, it's July of 2020, a year after we signed the lease and we're barely gonna get ready to open up next month. And so you sit here and think about, we thought we were gonna open up in January. It's been delay after delay, delay, but guess what? So then in January, when we get ready to start construction, we start getting uh, bids on doing the construction here. And all of a sudden, the cost of doing the construction for this place was double what we expected, another obstacle. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden you think about, wait a minute, how am I gonna afford to do that? What do I do about it? And long story short, just a lot of things had to come together. We made some good connections that really helped us out. Maybe in the future, we'll talk more about those connections. And then secondly, I ended up deciding to general contract this project. General contract in this saved me $60,000. So think mm -hmm. that when you're already short on budget and then all of a sudden you're sitting here and saying how to try to make it up with, you know, let me step back and say, I've never been a general contractor. Now I know a little bit about construction. You know how things are in Mexico, Pedro. You learn to do a lot of things yourself, right? Uh, a lot of people construct their own homes. When we opened up the business there, we remodeled and got the business open up. And so you do, you learn to do a lot of things. So I learned a lot of things in Mexico, but nothing to this, uh, you know, th this size to this scale and the standards it, as a commercial business here that we have to meet. But you have to be able to say, find solutions, right? And so that's what we did. So now I'm sitting here general contracting this project. As you said, Pedro, we'll put some pictures out there and you can see the progress we made. And it's all this idea is that obstacles will come. We could have just thrown in the towel, you know, a year ago when we said we can't find a place or we could have thrown in the towel back at the end of the year of last year when we said we thought we were going to be open. We haven't even started construction. We could have thrown in the towel when the, the quote came in for uh, the higher price and say, oh, it's just not possible. But what going back to what we talked about last week, vision, when you have vision, you start finding how to keep moving forward. And that's what we've done. And so, yeah, I could tell you story after story. That's just what we've gone through recently. And some things that I'd share with you, but life is always full of obstacles. And so you got to learn how to face them because they're going to come. It's not if they come, it's when. There's one coming right now. Dodge it. Hey, dodge it. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, well, just like right now, here, here I am. I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story, Pedro. I'm cut. Uh, so I'm actually at the location where we're constructing. There's nobody here. It was a good thing that nobody's here today. So I was able to record from here. So mm -hmm. when we get ready to record, I go and I shut all the doors. It's a little hot in here, but I said, you know what? It'll be quieter. There won't be any background noise. I close all the doors and we start recording. All of a sudden, one of the guys doing construction outside 
opens one of the doors and so it starts making all this noise. What is that? All of a sudden an obstacle, right? And I'm sitting here thinking, should I run to the door and close it? But and then they're making a lot of noise. Do I just stay in the back? And so obstacles, learning to dodge them all the time, right? Did you pay that guy to do that while you're recording? Hey, it sounds too, too sketchy. <laughs> so, uh-huh. It does sound sketchy. It doesn't sound like it's a setup, right? Hey, I need an example. <laughs> do this for me in five minutes, walk in the door. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think so. I, I, I wasn't able to hear it. I mean, here I have also have noise, but uh, I don't think so. Let's let's hope not. If not, what's well, part of the show, it's part it's part of the obstacles, uh, obstacles guys, size, time, it's all it, they're gonna come to you and uh and appreciate the story, Lee. I, I knew, you know, some parts I didn't know. So we're here to, to to share this experience with you guys, but mostly is uh if uh, if Lee would not have any obstacles in, in, in Mexico, uh because he's talking about the one he's having now, it's it's, it's in a different scale. If he wouldn't, uh, he, if he wouldn't gone through the obstacles in Mexico and and actually uh, overcome them, he wouldn't be prepared for this kind of size of uh, of obstacle. Maybe he would. Maybe he would. I'm pretty sure you would, Lee. But he, now he was more experienced in how and 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 where how to go, how to go from there, and and and, and attack that obstacle. Which I love that. I love that story, Lee, and appreciate pre- appreciate the sharing. And uh, guys, you. One of the main things is don't panic because most people, most people panic. I remember I used to panic uh, and then I was like, what am I doing? Why am I panicking? I mean, it's something that's so easy. All you got to do is be a problem solver, be a problem solver. Don't panic, attack it because they're going to come. And then so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you like you said, you know, they're going to come. And so you have to uh, be a problem solver. I think right now. We sat here and and we were delayed in January and then all of a sudden COVID-19 happens in March and we thought, oh man, good thing we didn't open. Maybe it was good that we don't didn't op- haven't opened yet as a brand new business. And not the you know, boy, uh, you know, my heart goes out to those people who were open and affected a lot. But for us, it says maybe we dodge a bullet and then all of a sudden this thing seemed to have gotten better and then it's gotten worse here again in Texas. And so all of a sudden now we are getting ready to open and instead of getting better, it's gotten worse. And so the biggest thing is, like you said, don't panic because all of a sudden think about now we're so far into this. And then all of a sudden we say we're going to open now and now seem, things that seem to be going backwards instead of forward. And the easiest thing to do is panic uh, because all of a sudden you get afraid and just know is that fear is probably the thing that's going to hold you back the most. Because all of a sudden, what does fear do? Fear gets you to be hesitant, to make slower decisions to uh, not think straight and you just think about you know it's like cutting up in a ball and just hiding and that's the worst thing you can do when obstacles come and so that being said you have to be prepared it says don't be afraid don't be afraid to fail don't be afraid to make a bad mistake because you're not going to always get it right i know a lot of times like you said the learning comes from not necessarily um, you know, the, the experience and all that is not always because you made the right decision every time, but sometimes you learn when you make the wrong decision. Sometimes you learn to seeing how other people handle things. And so fear can hold you back. So you can't be afraid because guess what, Pedro, at some point in time, you may fail at the moment. Doesn't mean you're going to give up, but you may fail at the moment. And so that's part of obstacles. As you said, you know, don't panic and don't be afraid to fail. You got to move forward. Don't be fearful. If you fail, get up and keep going. I think you wrote something about that recently, didn't you? Then the last few days on your 
in your Facebook, I think you talked about something about failing. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you be stalking me. You be stalking me in, in my Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I was gonna mention that. Uh, that. I mean, as long as you don't throw in the towel, that's very important that you mentioned that, Lee. Uh, the as long as you don't throw in the towel, you could fail. I don't, I don't, I don't care how many times, a thousand, a hundred, a billion. But as long as you don't throw in the towel, you're not defeated. You might fail, but you're not defeated. And once you throw the towel, you're, you're defeated. You can always, you know, pick up a towel, obviously. But um, the idea here is you have to fail. There's You have to fail. There's uh, Thomas Edison. He failed 999 times in, uh, in doing the, the bulb, the light bulb, 99 times. And then the thousand, he got it. He got it to work. But and I also recommend this book. I, I don't know the name in English, but it's something uh, the positive side of failure. Uh, it's, it's different. It's a different name in English, but in Spanish, that's what it is. Uh, the, the positive side of failure which, you know, Thomas Edison, when they told him, hey, how do you feel failing 999 times? And he was like, no, I didn't fail 999 times. I discover how not to do the light bulb 999 times. So you have to, whatever the fail, you have to look at the positive enable for you to attack new obstacles. So that's, that's the tip for today, guys, I'm out. No, and you're exactly right, Pedro, that that's exactly, the way it is, is not being afraid to fail. A lot of the people we know to be very successful, their success was driven through failure. I recently mm -hmm. read about Abraham Lincoln and same thing. I don't have all the details in front of me, but how many elections he lost before he became president, you mm -hmm. know, how many times he failed in a lot of things. And what does everybody remember him for? Nobody remembers him for all the failures. Everybody remembers him for what he, he did in his as a president. And so through those failures, those failures are learning experiences. Those, those are where you grow. Those are teaching experiences so that you can have success in the future. And so that's a very important thing to remember is through our failures sometimes is where we find our success. And so that I think that's a great example, like you said, of Thomas Edison, Abraham Lincoln. You're going to fail. Don't be mm -hmm. afraid to fail. It's not that mean that we're going to go fail on purpose. We're never going to do that. But when we do fail, what we're going to do is we, we're going to learn. We're going to get up and keep going and move forward. And so that, that's where we're And then I think the, the thing that we become when we start learning and we learn through those experiences, what we become are problem solvers. What, what did Edison do? He became a problem solver. He saw a need for something. He, he saw uh, something that was needed, and he was solving a problem. And so when we become problem solvers, that we solve uh, things that help us go forward, that meet needs, that make us successful. And that's a real important thing. But what do you do to become a problem, problem solver? I think the first thing is you, you start learning from others. Do the research, find out what other people have done, what other people are doing. I know you, you talk about the cold drinks and we've been talking a lot about it. And from there it's, it's not necessarily the solution isn't just, uh, you know, uh, coming up with just some crazy idea or whatever, but the solution there was, what did, what did you first do, Pedro, when you started thinking about finding your, finding a, a solution to the problem of the heat in Manzanillo? Uh, wearing a, a wetsuit every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, 
Can, can you was, send us a picture? I will. I will. Once I do it, <laughs> I don't know when. But yeah, um, at first I was like, let me go for the traditional old school, never fails. Uh, you know, people are used to it. Uh, fraps and and then I and, and then Lee, yeah, he, he we had a quick talk. And he was like, no, Pedro, that is not the way to go, son. That's not the way. So we had a quick chat, and then I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. Uh, let's you know, let's, let's look at the future. And that's something also, you know, I'm gonna throw in there. Look at the future. What's going on? That's very important because I mean, uh, like back in the states, they're up a little. They're they're not. They don't live in the future, but uh, they are. They're more a little more forward on, on some sorts of uh, 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 ideas or whatever. So um, he's like, man, Pedro here in, in Texas, it's cold, bro, <laughs> and it's going up, it's blowing up, and and I was like, sure, fuck that. And I was like, yeah. So anyway, so that's what I'm 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 I'm, I'm risking it. It's gonna be harder for me. It's I'm at the market real, real bad. I'm, I don't know. I don't know how I'm gonna market. I'll I'll figure it out now and then whenever whenever it does happen. But uh, yeah, I'm going for cold brew. Uh, I mean, fraps. Everybody does it. The people that already like set it for cheap because they just want to sell some stuff. It's not selling cheap. It's I mean, you have to value what you. What, well, first of all, ingredients have to be of, of real of quality and and actually you know give the right price. And for 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 the right thing, you're for the for the thing you're selling. Because I mean, you're selling your time, you're selling your experience, you're selling a real good product here. So I was like, yeah, let me go ahead and go for the cold brew and uh, for shakerados, which you know here in Mexico pe people don't even know about it and what they will they will do too. Yeah, and and you just said it. What you did is you asked some questions, did a little research, look at what's going on, find trends. <laughs> And so when you think about being a problem solver, it's learning to investigate things, research things, you know, ask questions to other people. Hey, what do you think about this? And sometimes they may confirm what you're doing. Sometimes you may get another idea. And, and either way, they both are helpful because they help you make better, better decisions, how to solve your problems, and just getting advice for others. Because I know for me, that's been the thing that's helped me the most is when I get around people who have already been where I'm trying to go to, they can give me advice and help me and say, well, this is what I learned. This is what I had to do. And maybe you're not going to do exactly what they did. Maybe you're not going to have to make the exact same decisions they made, but that advice they give you, that wisdom they can share with you helps you solve those problems. And so when you think about obstacles, you really have to be careful that you don't panic, that you're not afraid to fail and that you become a problem solver. And what you're doing is you're just setting yourself up for success. More than anything else, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, that the solutions are going to come real fast or that you're always going to get it right the very first time. But I think the likelihood of succeeding go up tremendously. And so I think it's real um, important to learn from that. And then the last one, Pedro, the last advice is be offensive, not reactive. I know you're really good at this is that when you decide to do something, you don't step back and just kind of hesitate. You go all in going forward and just become offensive about it. And that's what I really respect about you. What's your opinion about that? Why, why is it, what makes you, you know, go so aggressively when you decide to make a decision and move forward? Uh, they told me I was half Mexican and half Pitbull. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where my ideas from, guys. Uh, let's not blame. 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, uh, something. Um, that's a. You can but what I could tell you and share with you guys is that uh, something that I learned is to, uh, what is it called, shyness? Yeah, about being shy? Yeah, is that what you're saying? You're talking about or, like FOMO? Or being timid? Just kind of not. Mm-hmm. Being timid, being not uh, being timid uh, to that, not even that, I don't even understand that word. I don't even, that word is not even in my mind. So uh, I, I learned. Are, do you want me to tell you in Spanish, para no ser timido? Yeah. Yeah. Is is that yeah, the word you, is that the word you're looking for? Or is it a different one? Tell me tell me the Spanish word you're looking for. No, estoy queriendo entender la pregunta. O sea, you're talking about que cómo es que yo tengo yo tengo esa esa drive o qué? No, para hacer pues tomar acción, hacer agresivo, okay. cuando es tiempo a tomar una acción, ¿no? So, right. what is it that makes you, you know, we we talk about when it's time to make to be offensive, right? Move forward, mm-hmm. not just re, not be reactive, but actually uh, be uh, you know, uh, be progressive and making decisions and not just reacting to when things happen, right? Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I could I could share with you. And uh, sorry about sorry about you guys. You know, we had a little quick uh, discussion here in Spanish. <laughs> no, oh, oh, we 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 let the whole audience in on our little private discussion, didn't we? <laughs> Let's not edit that part. I'm pretty sure you guys, they would appreciate it. But anyways, yeah, you no. guys know Spanish. Uh, you'll appreciate uh, what's going on here. If not, you can learn Spanish here. Uh, I would love. We would love to teach you guys. So there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of uh, stuff that helped me out being uh, that way. But um. One of the things I I could probably share with you guys is uh, when I decided not not to care. Like I don't know if it sounds a little rough, but when I decided not to care what people think about me, that's when stuff just started changing. Because I don't care. Like if let's say a problem happens, let's say what the worst, you you like throw in like throw some water at someone. You know, it, it could be a, it could be anything. Like let's say there's a client and you and then you actually just drop the food into them or or whatever something that. Oh, you know, and like people usually panic or whatever. And I don't, I don't really, I, I don't, it's not, I don't care what they tell me. It's just that I have to solve it. I don't, you know, I, hey, you know what? I messed up. I have to solve it now. But, and that's, I guess that's what helped me out that I, not to, not to listen or not to care what other, other people think. They say if, it, if you're in a positive or a negative situation, but uh, that's why I don't really care. And I was like, I don't care what you gotta say, but I gotta solve my problem. Or, or I gotta, you know, take care of this this uh, opportunity. If it's a positive opportunity, I have to, I have to take advantage. So I was like, I gotta get. It. it doesn't matter if I have to go ahead and scream. If I have to make a fool out of myself. But if I know, if I know that doing this will help me take the next step, that's I think that's that's like that's key there. Take advantage so you can take the next step. This is it's about steps, steps, steps. And once you step on that, it's hard for you to go back. And it's hard for you to go forward, but you're one step up. Like, dude, man, you're so good. Yeah, and and that's and that's where you know you're really attacking the problem. You really mm-hmm. and and in this instance, we're talking about the obstacle. Whatever the obstacle is, it's not waiting. Oh, I'll we'll just hope it goes away. But once you get over, you know, not panicking, not being afraid to fail, being a problem solver, it helps you have that confidence to kind of to attack the problem, attack that obstacle. And not just wait back and hope that it goes away or wait that it solves itself or that somebody else comes and solves it for you. But it helps mm-hmm. you be more proactive and, and be on the offense to actually take steps to 
to take care of that obstacle and move it out of the way so you can move forward. Because guess what? As long as that obstacle is in front of you, where do you think you're going? Mm-hmm. And, and plus, they pay you more. So <laughs> I rather <laughs> I rather take care of the obstacles instead of yeah someone else getting paid for it. I'll get paid for it. So you know that that's yeah. Easy. And 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 I just know right there, like I said, as long as that obstacle is in front of you, you're not you're going to stay stuck behind it. But as soon as that obstacle goes out of your way, that's where you get momentum to move forward. And so that's the key to success is Mm -hmm. obstacles will happen and we know they're coming, but the key here is what do you do when you have those obstacles? And I I guarantee you what, one of the things I can guarantee you is that obstacles are the, the path to success. I don't think anybody that's ever had great success didn't have a lot of obstacles. I think people with a lot of success, probably have overcome a lot of obstacles that that's that's you said it like for example that you never hear the bad stuff about anybody you hear the good stuff some people be like man he's lucky or he's that or he or whatever but i'm gonna say i was gonna say michael jackson michael jordan this guy felt so many shots and what's what what is he now you know there's the obstacles is the thing he hear is i'm pretty sure uh, lee and i are trying to say is once you defeat the obstacle you're you're up there. You're gonna be up there. Like there's no way you're not getting where you want to be, is as long as you defeat the obstacle. If you don't defeat the obstacle, then eh, no. But as long as you defeat every obstacle that comes into you, you're gonna be in the top top ten. Well, I I just thought about what you just said. If you don't defeat the obstacle, the obstacle will defeat you. Yeah. Quote that one, Pedro. Ah, uh, that was good, man. You're getting good. This <laughs> Liam, I don't think I'm gonna. You know, share ideas with you. No, just <laughs> hey, I learned everything I know from Pedro. No, he's lying. I learned everything from him. So, uh, <laughs> hey, man, I think we we kind of go a little a little long on this. So let's go ahead and talk about some coffee. I wanna. It's a little late. Wait, I'm not gonna tell you what time it is here. I'm not gonna go ahead and tell you what time it is. It is 4 p.m. But uh, I'll go ahead and let's talk about uh, uh There's always always wanted to know a little more brief. Well, I don't know if you want to just go ahead. You know the uh, pinpoints on on, on on the coffee bag like i always have that uh i always like for example I, I bought one today they actually changed it up so i was like hey i was used to the <laughs> the old information you know and then yeah. it's the same coffee you know but now they switched it up they i, I didn't like it too much I, I, like you said uh, i i think one time we had a talk and you were like hey let's don't go for the for the for that you know it looks pretty and stuff so I, it, it looked pretty you know i liked it but then now uh, I don't think it looks too percentive, percentable. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look too like it doesn't look percentable like it used to. But it has more information. It actually has the notes. It has the characteristics of of the flavor of whatever. So it's more detailed, which I loved it more. So yeah, Lee, uh, talk to me about it. Talk. Uh, there's some stuff that you know I I don't know, and, and pretty sure there's other people that that would appreciate this information. Yeah. So. I think one of the things that we find is that when you see a bag of coffee somewhere and uh, most people aren't really always sure what all that information means or how that information can be helpful to helping you pick out a coffee that you're really going to enjoy. Because I think the number one thing to look for in a bag of coffee is the name. If it says taster's choice, it must be good, right? Oh, I love that. What was your favorite? What was your favorite coffee growing up, Pedro? What, you told me one time. What was the name of it? Uh, it was a uh, Nesquik. 
That's quick. No, you were talking about you drank instant coffee and because it said something on it, you thought you had upgraded. What was it? The, the name on there? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm not, I I'm, I would have like six years of drinking coffee. But when I started drinking coffee, you know, and it was the instant, like the real instant one, like the real cheap one where they sell everywhere. But then I was like, I need to upgrade, you know, hey, you know, I need to upgrade the game. So I went to the grocery store and then I got some also instant coffee, but it said gourmet. And then it said uh, Chapa's uh, 100% Arabic. And there was like so much information and then it looked pretty and it was a little more expensive. But I was like, hey, I want to, <laughs> I want to, you know, pick up the the, the game. I want to be with, you know, top top. Yeah. But uh, now I was, I was like, yeah, that's, that's, I don't want to say the word <laughs> trash, but uh, I said it. And uh, yeah, because you get used to the you know now you get it's not that it's bad it's that you just get used to better stuff, and yeah. and, and then there's people out there that that oh, I don't know what you do with me, but uh, I I can't even like, the instant coffee I'm like what, what yeah. do you mean yeah like I, it's not that you, and, and I didn't even told her stop drinking that stuff or, or don't even talk to them to my stand anymore no I was just you know I just sold them coffee and this and that. And then they were like, Pedro, I can't even drink uh, instant coffee anymore. Well, what happened? I was like, I don't know. It's just, that's how life is. <laughs> the, the, well, and like you said, you sometimes we see words like gourmet and we don't think that must be good or just what we're used to and what we think their coffee tastes like. I think a lot of people say, oh, I just drink coffee because I need the caffeine. It, it gets me going in the morning. And they don't ever talk about I drink it because I like the way it tastes. They're just like, oh, I need coffee to get going in the morning. And your coffee should taste good. So that was really a joke that it's, it's not the name that's the most important thing on there. But there's a lot of the information on the bag that will hopefully help you make a good choice. Now, normally in the name, they may tell you, uh, if you get into what now we talk about specialty coffee, specialty coffee or those coffees. And at some point in time, we'll talk about coffee cupping probably. And, but especially coffee is coffees at cup at a scale over 80. And just to give you an idea. And so... Uh, to help you understand that a little bit, Nescafe wouldn't be on that scale. They'd be what? underneath 80. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Pedro. Um, a lot of your coffees that are sold at the grocery store, I would say most coffees sold at the grocery store wouldn't be on that list either. And so we're, we're really talking about those coffees that are just a little better quality. Most likely you're going to find sold in a coffee shop by some coffee roaster um, that you're not going to, like I said, you might find some in a grocery store, but they're usually coming from a, a more known coffee roaster uh, from a coffee shop. And so, but in, on those bags, on those specialty coffee, normally you might, you're probably going to find where uh, you know, the, the grower, who the grower was, where the farm's located. If it just gives a region, it may be that because a lot of farmers own a small piece of property, and so they don't have a big enough property to to have harvest that much coffee. So what may happen is that the beans are gathered from a whole uh, village and the beans of the same quality are mixed together. And so you can still have a specialty coffee, but it might not come from just one farmer. It might be a group, a co-op, for example, a group of 10, 15, 20 uh, families or farmers who put their beans together that are similar quality. And so it may give you a name of a region, name of a co-op. So, but hopefully you'll find that the name gives you some idea of where that coffee came from. So it's traceable. You can kind of trace back where it comes from. 
And the important there is is just that detail probably shows you somebody took the time to you know where that coffee came from. Uh, when you know where it comes from, probably somebody's keeping up the quality of that coffee, knowing but is it, who's going to attract the the coffee of a of a low quality coffee. What's the point, right? Nobody's going to ever ask where did this this low quality coffee come from. And so normally it doesn't get tracked, but. So when you think that attention to details is there, most likely it's because uh, it's a little better quality, a little better care is taken care, put into it as it's being processed. And so, so first thing, you know, the name should give you some sort of information such as that. The second thing you're probably going to find on your bag of coffee is the uh, altitude, the altitude of where that coffee's grown. So when you look at that out altitude, um, there's not necessarily a magic number that says, oh, this altitude is the best coffee. So the higher the altitude, the best, the better the coffee is. Generally speaking, higher altitude coffees probably may be of better quality. But once you get to a certain altitude, if you get to 1,200 meters above sea level, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, those are all considered high altitude coffees. I think it's over 1,100 meters is considered high altitude coffee. And the, there may not be a huge difference between 1,400 and 1,500 or 14 and 16. There may be, but it's really not because of the altitude after that. But a lot of times what happens at higher altitudes, that coffee, because the weather's colder, it matures. The bean matures uh, and gets ripe. It gets ripe a lot slower. And so it has time to develop its flavors a little better. And so you just get a, a better bean, a little more complex flavors, flavors probably a little more developed. And so that's what the altitude really tells you is because of the climate, usually you're gonna get a little better quality bean, but it's not to say a lower altitude coffee can't be just as good. You might find some that are grown at a lower level that are great tasting coffees, but just as a general rule of thumb, usually your higher elevations, higher than 11, 1200 meters, probably have a little bit better flavors, but I'm not gonna say go base only on that. And so we talked about the name, the region, the farmer, where it comes from. We've talked about altitude. What's one of the things you see, Pedro, on the, on your coffee bags? Well, I buy the instant coffee. So no, that's, <laughs> another thing here, it's, uh, and I, it's always interested in me. And uh, it's about the, the process, which I'm pretty sure is also, it's, uh, it's not, like you said, it, it's the best or not, but it just lets you know how was the coffee process? So let me know, let, tell me a little bit about that, Lee. If you would, please. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. As we know, every every coffee has to, when it's harvested, it has to be processed. You can't just take it off the tree and grind it up and drink it. And so there's three processes that happen. And the the traditional process has been is that a a cherry off the tree is taken uh, is harvested when it's ripe. And then, then it's gone, goes through a depulper, it takes off the fruit of it, and it leaves just the seed left. And then they would run that through water and they would filter it through water and the water clean, you know, kind of cleans it up. And um, as it goes through the water, it, what's left is just what you know as a coffee bean right now. It's, it's green coffee. It wouldn't be the color that you see now that's roasted or most people are familiar with, but it's called green coffee and then that coffee would then either on a cement uh slab a pa what they would call a patio they would put it out there or on a raised bed they would dry these beans and they would dry them over several weeks probably about three weeks or so 
and they would have to turn them regularly to make sure they're drying evenly, that the top doesn't dry and the bottom stays moist. And once that's dried, you have coffee that's ready to be to be roasted. And so that would get to be green coffee. And so that process is what we would call washed, basically just because it was depulped and it was washed in water and then dried. And so that's that's probably a, a pretty common method in most parts of the world to how coffee is processed. And the other one, which is on the other extreme uh, of the processing is where that same coffee bean is dried, but it's the whole fruit that's picked off the tree. Take that whole fruit, same thing, uh, raised beds most likely, but it could, you know, but it has to be dried in the sun, same thing. And then once the, it gets a certain level of humidity, uh, moisture in the bean, then that fruit would be taken off. So it, it wouldn't, it would be dried first with the fruit on. And so what do you think, Pedro, happens when you sit that coffee bean out in the sun, but with the fruit on, what do you think happens to that bean? Man, I think it's, it's it tastes good. No. Well, <laughs> <I>, um, <laughs> Those are great observations, Pedro. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll, it'll get like uh, the flavor of or the, the characteristics of, 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 of the fruit and like the sweetness, maybe the, the acidity of the fruit. I don't know. That's what I is going through my mind. I'm, I'm picturing it right now. Yeah. You just, I would think I would compare it as people think about if you put a lemon in water, if you put a piece of orange in a, some water or any kind of fruit that you would put inside water, well, what happens to the water itself? Yes. The water, yeah. It starts tasting like whatever you infused it with. So whatever you, uh, whatever you infuse it with, the water would start taking on those flavors. They may not taste as sweet as the fruit itself when you bite straight into the fruit, but it would have taste similar. It would, you would get some of those tastes into it. And that's what happens with this coffee. And that's what they call either a dry or a natural method, because what happens is the coffee is dried with the fruit on it. It absorbs some of those flavors of the fruit. And so when you start, when those coffees are dried and then they're depulped as well, the, the fruit's taken off and then they're roasted and you, and you brew those coffee, you get a flavor of the, of the actual cherry in itself. And so they tend to be a little more frutal, taste like fruit, taste, um, maybe they could be citric. It doesn't, it's not necessarily always sweet. They could uh, taste a little bit fermented. It just really depends on the process, how it was processed. But there's some risk to that because if they're not dried properly, they could also mold in that process of drying. So it, it takes a little more work. So those coffees tend to cost a little more than a washed. And so you'll pay a little more for them. And that's just because of the process it has to go through. And the third process is something that's kind of in the middle. Is that in the first one, we said washed where everything is completely taken off and dried. The second, everything's left on and dried. And the the other process is something in the middle where the fruit's taken off, but the mucilage is a little layer that's around the bean stays on. And so they would call that process honey. And really it's called honey because when it starts drying, same thing, all three have to be dried. It's just a matter of what phase they're dried, you know, with what portion of the coffee's uh, cherry is still on it. And when they're dried, they start getting a color, just like what you think about the color of honey. And so the, that, is uh, given that where the name comes from, that it's honey. And so those wouldn't be quite as sweet as the natural, but they do have you know a little more acidity. They'll have a little more 
uh, flavor than the than the washed ones. Now, what happens with all of these, it doesn't mean that one's better than the other. It just means that you might find that you like one better than the other. I don't know, Pedro, if you've had the chance to taste all of these before or, or which ones that you've tasted before. Have you had the chance to taste them all? Not yet. Actually, uh, right now, I'm, I have uh, I'm, what I'm selling for, like, for example, like a percolator or the, the, the pour over is the uh, and then they told me where I put my coffee. They told me for like a cold brew or like you know a cold brew, they'll they're recommending me honey. I don't know what do you, what do you, what do you think on that? Yeah. Well, and the good thing about coffee is there's no right or wrong answers. The good thing about coffee is that it's what you like. And so some mm -hmm. people will say, I I like my cold brew when it when it's made with honey. Well, it's it's all can be trial and error. You try it out, taste it, and see if you like it. And just because you like it or don't like it doesn't mean that that's the rule for everybody is that, but you find things that are good. And so uh, some people like to make cold brew with honey uh, processed beans. And, and it's, it's, yeah. And it, it's not a, it's a good, good thing. And so, but I like, for example, myself, I personally am a fan. I, I like naturals, but I would only use a natural, like in a V60 in a mm -hmm. manual pour. But in an espresso, I don't like naturals in an espresso. I would rather have a wash in an espresso. And so, mm -hmm. but that's just, that's my preference. I think ten, typically most people don't use naturals in espressos. Uh, they tend to work a little better. I've had them in batch brew and I've also had them in pour overs, but an espresso, usually a wash does much better. I would be honest with you with the honeys. I'm not a big fan of them. Um, I, don't, I don't really care for them. Now that doesn't mean they're not good. That doesn't mean I won't ever sell any because there's people who do like those. But the, the great thing about coffee is you can find what you like. And so Pedro can be you. You can be you. You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to like naturals because I like naturals. You can like honeys. You can like washed. And so the right answer is... I don't is, care about honey. I don't know. Honey, I just don't care about it. I don't know. I don't know. How about you, Lee? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try it it's out. A, yeah, I guess, I'm, like you said, there's no right or wrong. I guess what I'm going to do is just... But it's right. The honey, it's a little more expensive. I'm going to buy like a little quarter of, of the kilo and yeah. just just try them out. And then I guess uh, just try them out, see what happens and do all three. Maybe just maybe one month this, one month that and see what people see, what the market says. See what people people say. And and really, your audience is the one's going to tell you what they what they're looking for and what they like. And so that's the great thing about coffee. There's not necessarily a right or wrong answer. The answer is the one that you like the best. And so. Mm -hmm. That's where you can, we're talking about, you can have wash, you can have natural, you can have a honey, but the process just gives you an idea of what to expect that that coffee would taste like somewhat to understand what you should expect out of that coffee. And then the other thing you're going to see on the coffee bag are the flavor notes. The flavor notes are just give you an idea is um, if you're not familiar, it's just the coffee cupping. And when you cup coffee, um, uh, when you cup coffee, you have to, you, you know, you take flavor notes, you find out what, what coffee tastes like. And when you, do, when it just gives you a guidance of what you can expect out of that coffee. So that guidance is just going to tell you if they say it tastes like, you know, strawberry, it doesn't mean it's going to taste just like if you were buying a strawberry. But what it's telling you um, that you can do is that you can expect that it'll have like traces of what a strawberry tastes like or that it may have acidity, the acidity of a strawberry. I don't know if you've ever thought about this as fruit. 
all fruits aren't the same sweetness and all fruits aren't the same acidic. So think about what's the sweetest fruit that you know. Sweetest fruit that I know would probably have to go for, I don't know, I'll probably say mango, maybe, I don't know, just. Uh, a mango, a, a watermelon, right, is pretty a sweet. A watermelon as well, mm -hmm. Right, and then uh, you think about, so you got mango, you got watermelon, you might, a banana, the bananas are pretty sweet too. They're right. pretty sweet, yeah. Yeah, and so, so, but think about, like I said, a strawberry. A strawberry can be sweet, but it's not as sweet as a, as a watermelon. It's not as mm. sweet as a banana, but it's sweet. It's just different. Now, what's the difference? Now, think that's sweetness. Now, think about acidity. Now, all fruits, a lot of the fruits have acidity. Which are the fruits that you think are more acidic? Like, for example, like star fruit, you know, that's pretty acidic, I think. Um, what grows there uh, the, in, in Colima a lot? What grows a lot? Lime. Limes, right? They're they're very acidic, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a fruit, but it's acidic, right? And so yeah. and you and oranges, oranges are a little acidic as well. But and strawberries are acidic now. But which is more acidic, a lime or a strawberry? A lime. A lime, right? And so mm -hmm. all it, a lot of times it's, it helps you when it's describing one. It can taste kind of like a lime or a lemon, or it can taste like a star fruit. It can taste uh, like carambolo. It can taste like watermelon. It can taste like strawberries. But it doesn't. It doesn't mean it tastes just like that fruit. But it gives you the same types of flavors, same types of sweetness. Maybe the acidity is more like an orange, so they'll tell you it's citric. So it just telling you it's a little more acidic, and where where they wouldn't tell you that if it was a lot sweeter. Uh, but when they say it's citric or it's lemon flavors or so forth, there you can expect that it's a little more acidic. So those flavor notes are giving you direction, just kind of what you should expect it to taste like. Well, it it says chocolate. Well, different chocolates taste different. You think about regular chocolate, and you think about dark chocolate. What's the difference in the taste between regular chocolate and dark chocolate? You're asking me? Yes, I'm asking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was falling asleep. No, I'm just going to do it. No, well, the, uh, I know I tried a couple of dark ones. It's, they're more, uh, they're more amargo. Uh, how do you say amargo? Bitter. Bitter, right? Bitter. Yeah, it's yeah. more bitter, but you, you can just really taste it way, way like stronger. has a stronger, like a, like a bold. A bold, bold taste to it. And so, mm -hmm. so when they describe a coffee that's a little more bitter, they can say it tastes like dark chocolate versus if they just told you it tasted like uh, cocoa, it may be not as strong in, as dark chocolate or they take. And so all they're giving you an idea as well when they compare it to specific type of, because chocolate in general can taste a lot of different ways. Is it milk chocolate? Is it dark chocolate? Is it cocoa? Um, same thing with nuts. Uh, an almond case tastes different than a pecan that can taste different than a pistachio. And so you can say it tastes nutty and that'll give you an idea of nutty. But when they start, when you get a little more uh, familiar with these, um, you know, these flavors, you can really describe, but what kind of nut does it taste like? And so all they're doing is giving you a description that what that coffee tastes like. And so when you start reading, do you have that bag in front of you, Pedro, right now? I don't, but I could go real fast uh, and get it. Or no, I, I was just curious that the the flavor notes that that bag had, but it just gives you an eye. It's just giving you a kind of an idea as to what can you expect from this coffee. And so when you buy a bag of coffee, those flavor notes should just kind of give you an idea: is it sweet? Is it citric? Is it a little more bitter? Is it a little more uh, acidic? And just so that you can make a better decision. And so all those things together, 
when you think about the process, the altitude, the flavor notes, they give you just an idea of what you should expect from that coffee. So the more you understand that naturally, the more likely you're going to be able to uh, make a better choice and buy what you like, because not everybody likes the same thing. Some people like more citric, some people like sweeter, some people like chocolatey, some people like frutal, some people like floral. But when you start finding out what those taste like, you start finding, oh, I do like this one, I don't like that one. So you don't make a bad choice because can you imagine? I know for me, one of the worst things in the world is to spend, I know here in the States, a bag of coffee, especially coffee anyways, will run anywhere from 15 to 20. It could run even more, but at least $15 a 12 ounce bag. And the worst thing in the world is that you open it up, it smells great, you make it and you don't like it and you feel like you just threw away $15. That's, it's not a good feeling. And so these flavor notes, this bag, everything on the bag just kind of helps you so you can make a little better decision and hopefully avoid buying things you don't like. Not necessarily, it doesn't mean they're not good. It just means that they're maybe just not what you prefer to taste. And so those are just a quick tips on how to read your coffee bag. And I think one of the last ones and the only one that we haven't spoken of right now, that's probably as important as all of those. And I would say for me is one of the most important uh, that I really look at. What do you think that is, Pedro? Uh, let me check. Uh, let me think about it. Oh yeah, the roast part, right? The roast date, yeah. The roast date. You think about uh, well, even the type of roast is important. Some mm -hmm. people it is a, a light roast, a medium roast, a dark roast. Just in general, you're going to get different flavors. A dark roast is going to tend to be a little more bitter. Uh, once again, those are preferences. A medium uh, roast. Uh, you know, the lighter roast is going to be a little more acidic. Medium roast is you're probably just going to develop a little more of the, you know, trying to develop more of the flavors that are in that coffee. And it just really uh, depends on coffee and the and what it, what, um, you know, is supposed to taste like to which roast probably fits it the best. And so I would just tell you is that same thing is the level of the roast, but in the, the roast state. How long do you think most of that coffee that you buy at the grocery store has been there? Do you even know how long it's been there? I don't know. Imagine. And then from there, how long has it been in the warehouse? I just, I don't even want to think about it. I just, I'll stick to the. You, you know what's it? You know what's real interesting is that is they don't, they don't usually in stores, they don't tell you the roast date. You know what they tell you? What they tell, well, I don't know. Let me know. They usually tell you the, the best, used by date you know the best consumed by date and so guess uh, what with co with with coffee you can put you know two months three months six months down the road because if you seal it well an airtight bag take all the air out you know seal it with nitrogen you know nicely sealed bag that coffee can stay for a long time but it doesn't mean that it tastes the same and so that coffee sitting there for weeks and weeks and weeks just it's a natural chemical reaction that changes the flavor so it doesn't mean that it actually spoils it doesn't really spoil you can have coffee once it's dry and it's uh, stored it's not necessarily going to spoil the what happens is instead of spoiling what happens is the the flavors change and so that coffee might have tasted great when it was first dried and processed and roasted but at, over time it starts losing those flavors and it starts tasting different so by the time you consume it it may have a completely different different flavor and so it doesn't mean that it wasn't quality it just means that maybe it's just gotten old and i always think about bread a lot of times doesn't bread taste better the day 
that it's baked and it's hot or you go and buy it from the stores. But what happens that same bread when you taste it three or four days, five days later, it still may not be bad. It may not be molded, but does it taste the same as the day you bought it at the bakery? True, true, true. Yeah, Lee, you opened more. And so, so just closing out on roast bait, I would recommend is that make sure you, you buy coffee that's probably been roasted probably within the last two weeks at the most. I would say you want to be able to, the coffee that you're, you're consuming, that you want to be able to have used it, not only bought it, but it consumed it and finished it probably within 30 days of when it was roasted. You know, when you're using it for espresso, it's okay. That can sit for two weeks before you use it. When you want it for pour overs or just coffee brewers, you probably want to use it with, start using it within the, a week of when it's been brewed, maybe a few days less. And so it just kind of helps you have an idea. Imagine if that's been roasted 30 days and you just barely buying the bag of coffee. Well, there's no way it's going to be at its freshest point. And so you're not getting that, even that bean, the best flavor that you could out of that bean. And so those are just some quick tips, what to look for in your bag so that you make the best choice, find the things you like and the best quality coffee when you're buying a bag of coffee. Thank you, Lee, for the information. To be honest, I'll, next time I'm going to buy one, I'm going to check the when it was roasted and, and all, all those details you just uh, share with us. And it's very important because uh, I usually, since I have the coffee stand, I usually buy like say a kilo or two kilos or uh, for every two or three days, you know, so it's, it's constant movement. Sometimes uh, a kilo lasts me four or five days and it does change. It does change the flavor. And, and so all those tips appreciate it. And then I have to put those in action, but uh, yeah. So next time, uh you pick a bag hopefully all this information gives you a better a better idea what to choose or what to get or what not to get or or, or, or what you do and uh share with us that that information helped help you out and uh how to had a be better better uh, option or, or better yet a uh, better coffee the way you like <laughs> all right all right guys well That'll be it for us, guys. Episode three. If you missed out, one or two, check them out, guys. And don't miss, don't forget us in uh, Facebook and Instagram. Review us, follow us, subscribe to us. All the good stuff, guys. Appreciate you guys being here almost an hour. And love you guys. Take care. Lee, we'll be in touch, bro. And nice hearing you from again. And we'll be out on the next episode, El Cuatro. Don't forget. All right. Thank you. It's been good, Pedro. Enjoyed it. Doesn't even feel like an hour. Sometimes when you're with friends and having a good time, time passes by and it's faster than you thought. Right. So yeah, yes, we appreciate everybody. Take care, Pedro. We'll be in touch soon. All right, guys. Thank you all. Behind the Bean is out. Adios. Come your friends. Peace. Peace.